It's Tuesday. You know what that means. Welcome to Section 247's The Goal Line Stand. All football, all the time. Coming to you live from the Michaels Glass Company studio. Michaels Glass Company serving the Philadelphia Tri-State area since 1978. 215-338-3293. Tell them Mike and Brett sent you. The show is available anywhere on social media. That's Twitter, Instagram and Facebook at GL Stand Show. Happy Tuesday, Brent. It is a week 16 wrap-up, and it couldn't have gone better for either squad. <laughs> it's, uh, man, the NFC East just sucks. It's such a disgrace. Um, it, I mean, it's just, it would have been easy had just Washington won, like, put it, you know, just put everybody else out of their misery at least then also the winner of the division would have had a respect a semi respectable 7 and 9 but now we we really could see a 6 and 10 division champion this is it's a disgrace yeah washington could have taken care of business that's if they're at the time idiot starting quarterback was in a, out doing his thing at strip clubs all that stuff so let's get into that real quick yeah, save it for later, but I think it deserves to be discussed right here, right now. Uh, Riverboat Ron, Ron Rivera, he drops the hammer on Dwayne Haskins and says, Oh, yeah, we don't need you around here anymore. You're you're gone. You're fired. See you later. Yeah, well, look, it, Dwayne Haskins was not Ron Rivera's guy. Ron Rivera came in after he was drafted, and Dwayne Haskins has not done anything to, or did not do anything, excuse me, we could talk in past tense here, to endear himself to this team. Uh, he was voted captain, which, I, I mean, that says something, I guess, regarding his relationship with the other players. But, you know, as we talked about off air, the fact that he, you know, whether it was a private party or not, what he did was incredibly selfish. And not only did it hurt, potentially hurt the team, but we also talked about it showed a complete lack of respect for the health of your head coach, who is a recent cancer survivor, who is obviously going to probably be immunocompromised because of all of his treatments. So, look, Dwayne Haskins is a weird guy. This goes back to, I actually found the article, Mike. So Mike and I were talking about an article I had read during the draft process regarding Dwayne Haskins, Ryan Dunleavy. Uh, then I believe it was the New York Post. It may have been during his time with NJ.com was trying to do a piece. For those that don't know, Dwayne Haskins grew up initially in New Jersey. And Ryan Dunleavy, uh, the, the purpose of the article was to talk about Dwayne as a young child um, growing up and, and connecting it to New Jersey because he may have potentially been the New York Giants. Yeah. For, for there's a potential the for the Giants to draft him, and there was a big push, right, from the Giant fans to draft him. Yeah. Or, there's always that weird, like, uh, 
oh, the guy's local. Let's draft him. Kind yeah, of. Yeah, the, the guy rooted for the Giants when he's a kid. We should. He should be on the team. Um, you know, I mean, it, it's kind of like the. I think it's like the Rudy Rudiger syndrome, a little bit. What Rudy was offsides? Aside from no, <laughs> no, the fact that like you you have a soft spot for people who also rooted for your team. So you so is want that why them. I, is that why I'm a huge Mike Trout fan because he's an ego because he's a four for four guy. Yeah, I, I, yes, and a South yeah. Jersey guy. Yeah. Well, look, we have stated from the beginning that we're always that we're homers and that we're always rooting for Camden County kids, South Jersey kids, Delaware Valley kids, New Jersey. So, yeah, it's that same mo. But so in doing the article, um, so he grew up in both South Brunswick as well as Highland Park before moving to Maryland, and Ryan Dunleavy contacted. The uh, head, the former head coach of South Brunswick High School, Rick Mance, who then went on to have a uh, position within the Rutgers football program, who is probably one of the most respected members of the New Jersey high school football community. He spoke with the head of the South Brunswick Pop Warner League. He spoke with Mo Jabby, who at the time was a Rutgers football player. He's since transferred to Albany. Go Great Danes. And um, he also spoke with a few neighbors. He then contacted Dwayne Haskins Sr., uh, the father, to say, hey, look, you know, we spoke with some of these people. They all had wonderful things to say. I just want your comment on this. We, you know, would love to have your voice in the article. At which point, Dwayne Haskins Sr. said, oh, well, none of them, a bunch of them are incredible. And I don't believe what they said. And Ryan Dunley, he literally gives the transcript of this. He's like, I don't think you understand. They all had very, it was nothing but positive, glowing remarks about your son, about your family. I don't see A, why you would not want this out there. And who do you think in this circle is not credible? Because these are people I've dealt with in my capacity as a giant beat writer and formerly as a Rutgers beat writer. How are these people not credible? And he wouldn't give an answer. It was just a strange conversation. And it was the first time. It really left a bad taste in my mouth regarding Dwayne Haskins as a potential franchise quarterback and everything since then. The way his reaction when Daniel Jones was drafted instead of him, he's wearing the headphones. He's not interacting with anyone else. He's kind of like mouthing off. He's just an immature kid. And, you know, for his sake, I hope he does turn it around because it's look that it is an amazing chance that he has squandered. And for that, you got to feel badly. And, you know, I mean, he's not a terrible human being. He's just immature, right? He hasn't violated any laws. He hasn't done anything of that nature. So in that respect, I hope he does turn it around. But kudos to Ron Rivera saying, enough is enough. You're out. It's time to move on. Yeah, I agree. Another story that I saw that came out, and I I must have missed this when when Washington was playing the Giants, Obviously, in the midst of COVID, nobody is allowed to be in a team hotel with you. As we talked about with the guy from the Seahawks who snuck the, the woman in dressed as the coach, uh, sans uh, communication devices. Yeah. You you can't bring someone back to your hotel like you normally like a player normally would, young guy, he's gonna do things. 
So I don't know where the visitors stay up in the Meadowlands. I think it's the hotel right there. What hotel is that? The sh- Well, the Sheridan, that's where the Giants stay. So it, I, honestly, I don't know because what? I think sometimes they stay downtown Hoboken or Jersey City. So uh, wherever they were, yeah. Wayne Haskins, family being from New Jersey, being from the area, rents a penthouse. So that his friends and family could come and party at the team hotel with him. Now, I had not read that until yesterday. I, yeah. I believe I read it at uh, New York Post uh, or one of those things. Yeah. And it, it, this is just, it, it's a shake of the head thing. And a lot of Washington fans, Redskin fans are, are, are like, good, good. I'm, we're glad. We're glad that he's gone. This guy, this kid has been a malcontent. He's been a problem. See you later. Yeah, it, it's really remarkable. I mean, that story just I, it typifies it, it typifies immaturity and selfishness. Um, you know, as your team is go. as your yeah. team is on the run to a playoff spot, and we yeah. talked about it. Washington was playing really well. Their defense was playing really, really well, and their offense was doing just enough to yeah. get by. The, uh, you know, hey, good for Ron. Uh, we talk about the respect we have for Ron Rivera as a coach. Yeah kind of everything that he's going through personally. Uh good for him, man. This should be a, a this should be a wake up call for a lot of people, a lot of draft eligible prospects, kids in college that maybe, you know, they're, they're sitting on a bench somewhere and they they don't want to fight to go to to get their spot so they transfer. Right? Yeah. I saw 2 2000 kids are in a transfer portal. Yeah. There's not enough places in all divisions for 2000 kids to go. Yeah. In, in, in college football. So good for Ron Rivera. Good for Washington. It, it's going to give them the, the edge. I know they're a one-point dog somehow going into Philadelphia. We'll get to that later. But it's going to give them the opportunity to actually win the division on Sunday Night Football for some god-awful reason. Yeah, I I mean, it's it's really remarkable. And then on top of everything else, it his play has just been piss poor. He's literally been the worst quarterback in the NFL. So, which it, it is hard to even, do. It when makes you it have even easier when you have a division like you have. Yeah, that's pretty bad. Yeah. Uh, so, we're gonna move on. Check out our partner Thrive Fantasy, the Thrive Fantasy app, ThriveFantasy.com. It's the newest and best way to play daily fantasy sports. Deposit twenty five bucks, and we will match it up to fifty. Use code SEC two four seven. Use the app, prop up. They got a bunch of stuff going on now with basketball starting up, hockey coming back on, obviously the NFL, lots of opportunities to win some cash. So go check them out. A couple things we have coming up. We're going to do our playoff preview show coming up in, I guess, about a week now where we discuss the the comings and the goings of the playoffs. Yeah. Uh, We're going to have some mock drafts as we get later on. Obviously, stuff working up to the Super Bowl and the Hall of Fame. Uh, before we get on to Eagles, the NFL 17-game schedule is a go for 2021, which is not a surprise because the NFL is going to need to recoup as much revenue as possible. Yeah. I do have a question for you. Why not just go to 18? 17 seems like a weird number. Other than the health, uh, forget health and safety. They don't give a shit. Nobody cares. It's about money. Well, I so I would. I don't know why then you wouldn't just want to 
completely cut down preseason and do the 18th game. The 18th, because it makes it so, so I get where they're getting your 17th opponent. It's going to be another interconference game. So, so right now, as it stands, the, um, the NFC East this year played the AFC North. So what will happen is if, if this year was a 17-game year, the, a- the NFC East would also play one team from the AFC West, and it would be based upon how you finished the season last year. So I get that. My issue is then also, well, who gets the extra home game? So now half the league has an advantage. Yeah, I agree with you. We're at maybe, 18 games, even number, it makes more sense. The thought process maybe being that some of, one of these games, not for everybody, but was going to be at a, uh, you know, a neutral site of some sort, you know, London. Now, I would love to know if London was the home of the Jacksonville Jaguars. The Jaguars, well, one of them. The Jaguars have just locked up the number one pick in the draft. They are on the clock. Unless they're absolute complete idiots, I'm pretty sure they're going to take Trevor Lawrence. Yeah. Does that change the approach of the NFL to say, well, Trevor Lawrence is coming to Jacksonville. We need to give our fans as as many home games as possible. We don't want to take one away from them. Well, and then there's another thing to take into account, which is, you know, I, I'm now cautiously optimistic regarding um, the direction of the vaccine and things of that nature. But if you're now going to do neutral site games in other countries, now you have to take into account the situation in other countries. You know, and in London, we have now this mutant strain of the of COVID which knock on wood, they say will react the same to the vaccine. But so who knows where, where Great Britain is going to be in the fall. So I think particularly of all, that's the other difficulty here, unless you're just going to say, look, you know, um, I was thinking like, I don't know, maybe there's a way you can give an advantage to the teams that only you're going to have eight home games versus the nine. I don't know what that is, but um, I also realize now that means I'm going to have to pay for another game. So they didn't ask me, but well, not unless they, unless they get rid of a preseason game, which is probably, I think is the I think, direction. Yeah. That you're gonna go. yeah. They have to, you can't play. You can't ask a full slate of preseason, then 17 games plus playoffs. If your team's lucky enough to get to it, which has an extra game in there for one team, at least because we got yeah. rid of the second buy. That's a lot of football. That's a lot of football. I don't yeah. know, to me, 18 seems just would have made sense. Canada plays 18 in a normal year. Yeah, and they have a lot less teams. Right. So to me, 18 would have made sense from a scheduling standpoint. But what do I know? I'm just a schmuck here in New Jersey hosting a podcast. I, I don't know. Well, I, I think you're putting yourself down as well as the podcast. This is a very important podcast. And you're a very important person. So, you know, but yes, it, it, it makes I, I don't know. I, I agree with you. Like 18 just seems like it would have made a lot more sense. I agree. And there's, and there's ways to get there. Agreed. So uh, speak, speaking of Trevor Lawrence and the Jacksonville Jaguars, 
Uh, rumor was a couple weeks ago that one Urban Meyer might be interested in the Jacksonville Jaguars, or I think it's the other way around. The Jaguars were interested in him, as yeah. they should be. But now more flame, you know, more smoke. Uh, what was Ian Rappaport reported that Urban Meyer has at least two teams that are interested in him. Would Urban Meyer be a good fit for the National Football League? True or false? Urban Meyer would be a good fit in the NFL. False. Yeah, I agree. False. I, I don't think. To me, it's sort of like the Nick Saban thing. Uh, you know, Urban Meyer is a hell of a recruiter, but, you know, he's not going to have simply the five stars of the NFL on his team. And also, you think about it, he doesn't necessarily run a pro-style offensive system. And Trevor Lawrence is not the kind of guy – Trevor Lawrence is athletic enough to pull off some of what Urban Meyer does. But think about the quarterbacks Urban Meyer had. You know, a lot of them, Tim Tebow's, Braxton Miller, some of the others. This is not – that's not Trevor Lawrence's game. So I don't even think that the system would work well – in the NFL. And, you know, he's also, I, I, I do sometimes think he's a little bit of an overrated coach. I mean, to think that the, so he, when he won in with Ohio state the year after the fact that he didn't repeat, even though they had like literally like nine first rounders, you know, and like five of the first 10 picks, even though one of them was Eli Apple. And like, I can't believe that they choked like that. Yeah. You know, and that he was did, he, he. I think he proved himself in Utah. No, he, he proved himself there, every Bowling right? Green, Utah, yeah. Florida. Yeah, Florida, you can get whatever you get, but yeah, bad dudes too. But that's besides the point. That's for another discussion in the offseason. <laughs> I just don't. I to me, this is Urban Meyer's agent saying, Hey, uh, we're noticing some guys are getting paid on the media front. Yeah, maybe we're going to get you a few extra bucks from Fox Sports, Big Ten Network, whoever pays that bill. I, he, to me, at this point, he's yeah. not a fit in the National Football League. Uh, I did see a funny tweet, and I wish I would have saved it so I could have given the person credit. They're like, they're like, oh, he's a prick, just like Pete Carroll. Maybe he's going to come into the NFL and be successful, and it made me laugh. Well, so do you view? So is is Urban Meyer smarmy? Um, I don't know that I he, think he's smarmy. I don't know if he's smarmy. I guess he'd be smarmy. Yeah, he's arrogant. So yeah, he's smarmy. There's a level of, of prickishness to him. So but he would you I, like to see him come back in the college ranks? Absolutely not. Because you know why? I don't Is want him to take work kids from New Jersey. Yeah, no, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Keep everything in status quo, please, God. Yeah. Um I think I, I find him obnoxious. I, I don't like him actually as a, an, you know, analyst guy in the studio. Not a fan. Well, I don't really, like any of the, the Fox, pre, the, the Fox shows, the Fox analyst shows, yeah. especially on the college football front. Not a huge fan. I, yeah. Even, even the main show. I, there's certain guys. I like Strahan. I, I, I do like um, Howie Long. I, yeah. I don't know. There's just. They've all become kind of characters of themselves. Yeah. CBS, I think, does a good job, but I think that's just the group of people that you have there. Very much like you got a coach, you got some quarterbacks, you know, Sims and uh and Asias in it. It's pretty good. I don't know. Let's get to yeah. let's stick with college football and let's talk Heisman Trophy. 
Uh, yeah. I mean, is this this is Trevor Lawrence's to walk away with, right? No, nah, he's not getting it. You don't think so? No. He didn't play enough games. I think this is I think it's Mac Jones. I, I frankly think this is Mac Jones all the way. It's being announced tonight. What do you mean it's being announced tonight? It's Wednesday. Isn't today Tuesday? It's Tuesday. I oh god, is today Tuesday or Wednesday? Don't today is definitely Tuesday. I think uh, it's definitely Tuesday because there was Monday night football last night. I think. Uh, look, it's all it's this weird. I know. I know. My kids are off from school. Yeah, uh, and there's COVID, and then there's the holidays. So like, right? You know, you have a one in seven. You have a one in seven chance of guessing correctly, though. Someone asked me like, "Hey, can you come in for a meeting tomorrow?" I'm like, "Yeah." They're like, "What time?" I'm like, "What? Whatever." They're like. Are you working? I'm like, it's the week, isn't it? They're like, you can't make sure. I'm like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I, I'm pretty sure that they're they're just announcing it tonight. Um, it's sad because in in the you know era of COVID, we can't have the typical uh, Heisman. Although honestly, the Heisman show is one of the most painful overproductions because it literally could take five minutes. But instead, they're trying to give love to all of the different finalists, and they they talk to the coaches and the parents, and it's like you have to come up with the biggest sob story. Then they introduce all the former uh, Heisman Trophy winners. So yeah, I, I, I'm imagining it's not going to be that way. But to me, I think so. The four finalists are Kyle Trask, Mac Jones, Trevor Lawrence, and Devonta Smith. And to me, I, I think it's going to be Mac Jones. Uh, the quarterback for the number one team, Trevor Lawrence, uh, obviously the most talented going to be the first round pick, but because of COVID, um, I think that sort of knocked him out literally and figuratively. Well, that's not fair. Some teams that only play six games and they get in a, uh, or five games and they get into a college football playoff. Justin Fields finished, I believe seventh in the voting, sixth in the voting. So. Speaking of just, you know what, I'm going to table that till we get to the Eagles discussion in a few seconds. Okay. But let's talk about, before we do that, uh, some coaching decisions in, in the NFL and college over the past couple of days. Uh, look, I am a proponent of when you can take the points, you take the points. Okay. So, yeah. So, um, it, what was rather remarkable was there were two games going on simultaneously that raised this issue. So, you had, in the NFL side, you had Miami against Oakland. And on the college side, you had Liberty against Coastal Carolina. For Liberty and Coastal Carolina, Liberty, it was a tie game. Liberty is driving. They're within the five-yard line. And Coastal Carolina has no timeouts. And Liberty kept handing the ball to their running back. And suddenly, the Coastal Carolina guys, they grabbed the running back and, and pulled him into the end zone. And the Liberty guy fumbles, and they end up going into overtime. In the Miami-Oakland game, there, Oakland had two options. They could have scored the touchdown, or they and or they could have just, uh, you know, drained the clock, bled the clock until there were 16 seconds left, kicked a field goal, and made make Miami drive the length of the field to kick a field goal, which obviously they did. So my question to you is, what what do you do in these circumstances? Like, what what are your rules if you're the coach? 
Yeah, I, I mean, I'm running the play clock down to two, one. I'm snapping it. Uh, in the case of uh, Liberty, I'm probably trying to just – I'm not even – I don't know if I'm taking a knee if I'm the quarterback. This is the problem with nobody taking a snap from under center. Yeah. I'm almost getting the ball and just like falling sideways or forward. Forget it, and that's it. Yeah. I'm not doing anything else. Or even maybe depending on where I am on the field, I'm taking a knee. Yeah. So I this isn't rocket science. I don't care what kind of we talk about football being a very simple game at its when you get it, you know, you get all the weird play calls and all that stuff out. It's run a post, it's run a slant, do this, do that. This is simple. This is simple stuff. It's like, okay, I can drain 40 seconds, I can drain 35 seconds off the clock. I'm gonna yeah. do it every time. Yeah. I'm not so, even breaking the huddle until I have. 15 left just line up yeah so obviously the two even though they were related both situations were a little bit different with liberty and coastal carolina so the game is tied you're the defense has no timeouts i don't understand why you would ever hand the ball off to the running back and i agree with you one of the problems in college is that these kids never take a snap under center but to me, you are taking the snap from under center and you are downing it. You're not allowing the running back to even touch the ball to allow Coastal Carolina was smart in by taking the running back and literally dragging him into the end zone. Um, for the Miami-Oakland game, to me, my rule would be, because people are slamming John Gruden on this, you know, if you can't stop a team with 16 seconds to, you know, from driving to get a field goal, you don't deserve to win the game. But to me, I, I think I think my rule would be this. If I can drain the clock to the point where if after I score, the team only has one play, so it's like I'm going to say six seconds or under, I'm going to drain the clock. Otherwise, I want the touchdown because then I want you to have to drive the whole field and get into the end zone. So – 16 so 16 seconds would have been on the clock with the if with the Raiders kicking a field goal. Correct? Yeah, because that's what happened. Yeah. Right. So right, right. So Raiders kick the field goal 16 seconds. You squib kick it. I, I don't like squib kicking because sometimes an up back can or you, you poop, I, I you don't put it in the end zone. Yeah, you don't put it because you want to try to bleed some clock. Right. But that's why I'm saying if if the clock was different and in by bleeding the clock, you would have had seven seconds left, six seconds left. Then Miami Miami is only gonna get off one play. Right. One play, you can't you're gonna it's basically the same as having to score the touchdown then. So to me, that's what to me the rule should be. If, if it's only enough time for one play, kick the field goal. Otherwise, you want to take as many points as possible. So I, I just wanted to discuss. Yeah, it was something I wanted to discuss with you and kind of hash out because it was amazing how literally both games was relating to that at the same time. I'm flipping back and forth watching this, and it was just utter chaos. So there you have it. Speaking of Saturday and 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 the National Football League, did you, what was your take real quick on the Cardinal? Who was it? The Cardinal Niner game? Yeah, on NFL Prime. Because I got to tell you, I don't know if it was the camera 
I got mm -hmm. a brand new TV. I have internet out the wazoo because of homeschooling at one point and all that stuff. So yeah. my my TV runs everything runs fairly quickly. Yeah. Watching the watching that game. And someone put this on a bunch of people put it on Twitter. It came off like video game-ish. It felt weird and different. Was that just me and people tweeting about it? Or what's your take on that? Um, I didn't notice it that much, but I also I was I had a mix between watching it on my big TV as well as on my phone through and on my phone, I didn't watch it through Prime Video because as a giant season ticket holder, they gave me the red zone for free. I get to watch any nationally televised game I could watch on the NFL app. So on the NFL app, it came off like any other game. Interesting, because a lot yeah. of people were shredding it, and I'm one of them for on Prime. And then on top of it, that I don't know who they brought out to call this game. I mean, yeah, it, it, like, it felt like a semi-pro game or something. It, someone was like, "Hey, is this a in-house produced preseason game?" And it really did feel like that. Yeah. And Amazon and Prime is going to be in the market for NFL games now. Like moving yeah. forward, they're they're going to be out there for bid. And if that's what they're going to put out, that's atrocious. I, I yeah. mean, that's pathetic. Unfortunately, that's not going to be a factor into whether or not they get the package because in the end of the day, it's just going to be about the money. It reminded me of a very, very poorly produced independent wrestling program. That's what it reminded me of. It it it, it sucks because – so first off, you don't have any fans. In that's the true. Yep. And then when you have a poor production – it just made the game seem so unimportant when actually there was consequence to that game. Yeah. And then the game was just boring. I mean, because Arizona just stunk. Arizona did stink, and that's where I think Kyler Murray is a little bit overrated. Uh, let's talk about quarterbacks that stink and teams that stink. We're going to pivot to the Philadelphia Eagles. And, hey, coming up next week, starting on Monday, Section 247 today will debut. It's Philadelphia Sports Talk Entertainment, 15 minutes, real quick, a couple times a week. Uh, it's me ranting about stuff like we ran about here, but pertaining to Philadelphia as its own. So be sure to check that out and download it. I'm pretty sure next, next Monday morning that when you hit the play button and you hit the download on that, it's going to be Jalen Hurts did what again? Because Jalen Hurts... Maybe he fell back to earth a little bit against the Dallas Cowboys. What a pathetic effort. Not by him, but by everybody. It was, you know, and it was, I think the other shocking part about it was you got up on them quickly. And I kind of thought Dallas might just roll over and die. But to their credit, they came back. Um, I think this really was, it, it was, it, it demonstrated how depleted your, your defensive uh, backfield was the the offense it, it was a mix of strange play calling abandoning the run as usual and just some missed opportunities the, the defensive line obviously there's the whole Fletcher Cox situation and then you know the defensive line just not getting home the way I thought they would all of those things were kind of a recipe for disaster but the defensive backfield that finally came home to roost 
And, and it was going to. I mean, people yeah. are they're, they're crushing Michael Jaquette. Well, dude, really? Yeah. I mean, come on. You, this is a kid who maybe in a couple of years in the right system and, and learning the game, maybe he's a serviceable player. You're yeah. talking guys that just came out of like no, literally off the street to yeah. play in this game. Uh, you talk, you mentioned Fletcher Cox, seven plays, then he gets a stinger and he's out. You had a stinger. I've had a stinger. Yeah. John Ritchie was talking about this on WIP, and I actually agree with him. He's like, what the hell? He's like, you have a stinger and you're not coming back in the game? Like, and you're the leader of the defense? Like, what does that say to every other person in this lo- in that locker room and on that field and on that sideline? I- I'm done. I'm done. I'm out. Yeah, it's um, you know, I, I think it's kind of been known now. I'm not the biggest Fletcher Cox fan. Um I I played defensive tackle. I'm I'm always to me, I look at them first. Um and, and, and you know, to anoint him as one of the best in the league. Um, I think there was a time when he was. I just don't see that anymore. And this was really a piss poor example. You know, particularly when this this reminded me of some of those McNabb moments where you know I'm the leader, I'm the leader, and yet what you're doing doesn't really show anything regarding leadership or display leadership. It was one of those kind of moments. You know what I mean? I agree with you a thousand percent. Uh, one of my big issues when if you go back and you watch on YouTube, link in the show notes it, to the preview is I thought the. Malcolm Jenkins leaving this team, not for the play on the field, but for the leadership in the locker room, was going to be a major issue. And now you've had the whole Carson Wentz issues and situation. You've had this whole thing happening on the defense. Jason Peters scenarios. There's like a a lot of things going on here that I think when if you had the right leaders there, I'm not saying they win 10 games, but I don't think you have a meltdown of this magnitude and also you got to remember from an eagle standpoint there was that there was a committee that malcolm jenkins was a part of i feel like it was brandon graham and a couple of offensive players that would have meetings with doug peterson on a weekly basis now i haven't heard about that this year to to say hey doug you know maybe you need to run the ball more yeah maybe you need to put players in a better in a better situation I, i don't know this team is lacking that and it's just been evident the past couple of weeks. Yeah, and you know, and so going back to the offensive side and Jalen Hurts, I don't think Jalen Hurts was terrible, but as he's you said, he definitely he's a rookie quarterback. He being, you know, the, particularly the third down pass towards the end zone, he could have ran the ball to either set up a fourth down play or a field goal. Um, you know, he as we talked about off air, he, he, he it was hero ball, and it was. Frankly, it was something Carson Wentz would have done, and Carson Wentz would have gotten crucified for that. Absolutely. And because Jalen Hurts is a rookie, it's, you know, ah, it's okay. He's he's learning. And that's it. It's, oh, well, that's a five-year veteran versus a kid playing in his third game. Well, okay, but they're still in the same scenario. Yeah. All right? Like, you know, this team, especially on offense, as constructed, without running the ball – because they yeah. Doug Peterson, look, forget it. He just does. He's not going to do it. You can make everything easier for a lot of people. The offensive line, the receivers. If you just run the goddamn football, he doesn't yeah. want to. Okay, 
So let's not beat it, beat that down anymore. The quarterbacks in this offense over the course of this year, probably looking back the past couple years, have to play hero ball. And what happens? Sometimes the magic, sometimes there's just no magic. Jalen Hurts, yeah, he's a rookie. I understand that. But he came from Alabama. He came from Oklahoma. He played in championship games. Everyone tells you that oh, the SEC, it's just like playing in a, in the NFL. There are plays that he made that he should be slammed for. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, and going back to hero ball, if you're relying on hero ball, hero ball means something, you know, extraordinary. So it means, you know, uh, being successful on low percentage plays. So that's that's not a recipe for success to, to have to rely on hero ball. You know, the other thing I was going to mention, uh, you know, particularly Zach Ertz is either still hurt or I don't know. But to me, it, it, he's, you know, to await it, you have at least when healthy, uh, you know, a great pair of tight ends. And and, Frank, and and Rod, as we've talked about certain games, Rogers, Richard Rogers acquitted himself nicely as well. A play action to establish a run game and then using play action would have helped them drastically to use those tight ends. And they were just non-existent. Well, and here's the thing. So Dallas, recognizing what they had with Hurts as the Eagles quarterback, said, we're not going – they didn't rush him. They only no. rushed three, four. I mean, they didn't bring blitzes or anything like that. They dropped guys back. They had a spy on him. Yeah. Coaching, man. Coaching. That's what I mean. That's what it comes down to. It's coaching. It's player personnel. It, it, it's you can put whoever you want back there. You can put Tom Brady, Joe Montana, Johnny Unitas. I've been through this already, and it's not going to matter. Who's the greatest quarterback of all time? Whomever, put them back there. They're going to do the same thing. You know, that's another thing, and I know, you know, he hasn't been available much. Deshaun Jackson. So Deshaun Jackson, to this day, you got to give him credit, when healthy, is still one of the most dynamic playmakers out there. At least he, he gives you your 80-yard touchdown. Oh, you, you know, here's my point. That's fucking fantastic. I'm going to come out after weeks of being hurt, and I pull my hamstring, and I pull my groin, and I pull my this, and I pull that. I'm going to go out. I'm going to go catch an 81-yard touchdown pass. And then you know what I'm going to do? Because I'm on a four-fucking-win football team, I'm going to flip my ass into the end zone and hurt myself. I'm sick and tired of this fucking shit. They wasted all this money on Deshaun Jackson. He, he's a, It's a waste. Oh, he's number five in the NFL all time, tied with Jerry Rice on long touchdowns. Uh, who gives a shit? He's played. He's been eligible for 30 games as an Eagle coming back. You know how many he's played? Four, seven. You know how many he's finished? Two. Look, I completely agree with you. It's just when healthy. Well, I mean, that's definitely uh, a viable uh, person to blame. But um, my, my point was when healthy, you know, it's amazing that Doug Peterson couldn't, didn't think to use him in a way that like Tyree Kill or some of these other guys are used with the jet sweeps and things of that nature? Because he's not healthy. I understand this guy. A stiff breeze, you know, will literally put him out for three weeks. I get it. But, heck, I'm just saying it's it's, it's something that they never even thought to use with him. It was always just, you know, 
So, I, you know, I think they, I think they wanted round. to. I think what you see in Rager is what they wanted from Deshaun Jackson this year. And you just yeah. can't you can't bet on that. You can't. I will say, you know, moving forward, I think Jalen Rager's starting to show you a little more. I I, I wouldn't be wow. I, I wouldn't be like, oh my God, this is the guy. Yeah, but, third round pick. Great, great pickup in the second or third round. But he he's definitely coming along at a better pace than he was in the beginning of the season. I, I still started playing. He has a little bit of Ricky Waters in him. But, uh, you know, for who, for what? For who, for what? And I've seen it multiple times where Jalen Rager could die for a ball, adjust himself, and, yeah, no, it doesn't happen. Doesn't happen, man. He seems Sorry. a little soft. He's, yeah, it's going to be interesting. The offseason is going to be interesting. Uh, it's gonna, It could be Black Monday for the Eagles come – Come Monday, I doubt it, but it's going to be interesting. I don't, I don't see Peterson going. If anything, there could be a fall guy, maybe Schwartz. I, the argument on Schwartz from a lot of the national guys, you start seeing stuff come out, is that he's safe because his whole side of the ball is shredded and hurt. That that's the only problem is that it is a it is a legitimate excuse. It is. Well, Doug Peterson came out in the press conference yesterday in his Monday presser and, and, and said the same thing. And he's not wrong, but his decision-making, but maybe it's not his. I don't know. See, this whole thing's a mess. It, it's going to be real interesting to see what happens moving forward here. Doug Peterson in, insinuates he's not part of the decision-making process on, yeah. on draft time. He'd like to work with Howie and Jeffrey a little bit more. So would I. I. You know, if I'm the head football coach, I want to be involved in picking my players. It is what it is. We'll see. Yeah. This time next week, when we're talking Eagles, I have a feeling it's going to be interesting. Uh, I, I agree with you. Um, but, well, the nice thing, for, I guess, from an Eagles perspective moving forward is at least, you know, you're securing – it looks like you're going to be securing a, a pretty decent first-round pick. Spot. Yes, a spot in the first round. Yeah, because the player. You don't know. Yes, I understand. Because if it's they might might take a kicker. Let's move on from the the putts of Broad Street. Uh, I got to come up with a better nickname for Howie Roseman. Is that wrong to call him the putts? Why would it be wrong? Because he's Jewish. Is that offensive? Dave Gettleman's Jewish. Gettleman is Jewish. Yeah, yeah. So okay. (laughs) Okay, I was just asking as as a as a Catholic. I don't want to offend the Jewish listeners of our audience. That's all I was asking. Why don't you call him the schmuck of South Philly? That's a good one. The schmuck of South Philly. We're going to put the Rutherford, the schmuck of South Philly. Trademark. We'll put that on a t-shirt. Let's talk to your <laughs> football giants. Uh, congratulations. They lost. <laughs> yeah. And somehow they're still alive. But um, look, th- this was just. It, 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 when watching it, it honestly looked like. Um, it was a varsity team against a JV team. Baltimore is getting healthier. I actually think that they are. And because of Cleveland's trip up and because of Indianapolis, Baltimore now is in the driver's seat. If they win, they're in. And I, if, if I'm the AFC, I, I do not want to see Baltimore right now. Um, it, it, if they, the Giants were so outmanned at every level of the game, there was just no way they were going to win. They were 
the Baltimore was physically stronger. They were physically faster. So there was no, it just wasn't going to happen. It it was literally like watching a top five UFC fighter against a guy who just entered the gym three weeks ago. And it was a slow death. You know, I mean, the first drive Baltimore comes out, it's like a 15 play drive, nine minutes, touchdown, three and out. Another drive touched. It, it was just, I, and I can't even say that the Giants, they were just overwhelmed. Um, you know, and then you have a lack of, uh, you have a lack of explosiveness at the running back position. Also lack of ability to have like a decent outlet pass. Your wide receivers are, they're, they're barely, I don't even know if I would call them adequate. Darius Slayton has been playing hurt for the second half of the season, so he hasn't taken the second step. Golden Tate didn't even play. Sterling Shepard, I've been arguing this with a few of my uh, fellow Giant uh, fan friends. I honestly think is very overrated. Evan Ingram, the pro bowler, <laughs> he didn't really make much of an impact. You know, in terms of the uh, – and defensively, yeah, you have three really stout – Defenders up front and Tomlinson, Leonard Williams, and Dexter Lawrence. But, you know, and you have a good Blake Martinez. But aside from that, you you have their other two linebackers were seventh-round picks, one of them being Mr. Irrelevant. That's not a good recipe when you're playing Lamar Jackson. It's just it, you're screwed. So it, the game was everything I expected. It, it wasn't even disappointing because I'm like, oh, this is – there's no way – the Giants can beat the Ravens. They don't have the horses. It's just, it's not a fair fight. No, I, I agreed. And the least the expectation was kind of there. Yeah. Unlike the Eagles, where there was like a legit chance. You and I both thought we'd, they'd win. Yeah. Dallas, I mean, Dallas was on the verge of quitting. Dallas could win the division, crazy as that is. Uh, Giants could still win the division. So let's talk about it moving forward real quick. What what happens here? Can this Giants team actually rebound enough this week? Or are, are they just that beat up that it's not, not a white flag, but hey, look, we had our little run. We proved that we're progressing as, as, a, as a program under Joe Judge. And we just don't have it right now. We don't have the depth. We don't have the horses. It, so it, it's, it's so strange because – and I'm sure you feel this too with the Eagles the last few weeks because there is a division to be had. Now it's fools. Whoever wins, it's fools gold. But then again, we are still first and foremost we're fans, and you want to see your team win. Uh, you know. But having said that, I, I do. I still think if the Giants somehow won and won the division, it will cause more harm than good. Do, can, do I think the Giants have a chance to beat the Cowboys? Yes. I'm not overly optimistic, but I think that they match up much better against the Cowboys than the the Cowboys are not a great team. The Ravens are a what you know, just their talent level is so much better than the Giants. The Giants could potentially beat Dallas, but then you know it gets to well, what you know, what does this do about the team moving forward? Because I believe there still needs to be changes, namely the putts of East Rutherford. I mean, what? So even if you, I guess if you win the division, you can't fire them. But let's say they beat the Cowboys and Washington wins. So for everyone who doesn't know, 
Washington is playing Philadelphia. It's the Sunday night game. If Washington wins, they're in. If Washington loses, Philadelphia wins. The winner of the giant Cowboy game, which is at 1 o'clock, they are the winners of the NFC East. So to me, like, let's say the Giants actually win, but then Washington wins and gets in. You know, so I, and you even mentioned it in a statement you just said, well, you know, the Giants show that they're progressing. Are they? They've actually, this is going to be under Dave Gettleman. This is the third straight year you have had double-digit losses. Is this how how low the bar is now for staying around that you're going to keep yeah. a guy? Who, oh, well, I, I didn't say you're keeping it. No, anybody, I know, but, you, but, but I even you mentioned that they're progressing. Are, are the they? head coaching at I didn't mention Gettleman. I mentioned Joe Judge. No, I understand. But, you know, he can only work with what he's got. And I think you saw, particularly against the Ravens, that Dave Gettleman has not assembled a team that can be competitive at all, really, with the top guys, with the top player, or top teams in the league. Yes, they beat the Seahawks. It was a, it was a, I mean, that effort, I mean, the effort they put into beating the Seahawks, that was like their Super Bowl, right? And since then, they haven't been able to replicate that. But, you know, the offensive line is still a question mark. You have no receivers. You you put a such – they mentioned an interesting point about – look at the – so the Indianapolis Colts had the – when the Giants drafted Saquon, they were number two. The Indianapolis Colts were actually had the third pick. They traded with the Jets and traded back. Jets drafted Sam Darnold. The Colts drafted Quentin Nelson. Look where the Colts are now, and look where the Giants are, right? And Dave Gettleman. Well, yes, look at the Jets. Well, the Jets really screwed themselves. We'll talk about that more in the offseason. But look, you know, Dave Gettleman's the guy who's like, oh, look, you know, I know I love my hog mollies and everything else. Which one of his picks along the offensive line has really worked out. Andrew Thomas, though he's been playing better lately, is still the least productive of those top four offensive linemen we discussed in the offseason. Shane Lemieux, who some may view as an upgrade, according to PFF, now I have my issues with PFF, literally graded him at like a 26.9. That's really bad. Uh, Will Hernandez, who was a second-round pick, is now – uh, been demoted. You have Matt Pert, who you had in the uh, drafted in the third round, who gave up two sacks in in literally like six snaps of play. So you, the one thing you claimed you were good at, you you're not good at. You haven't assembled an offensive line. It, it's just there's a lot of questions, and I, I really think it comes down to the Giants' leadership, the Maras and the Tishes. To me need to be brave enough to go outside of the family and stop being so incestuous. We talked about how, you know, there's always that desire for people like, oh, the kid rooted for our team. And in the Giants organization, it's, well, he had a connection to my 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 grandfather. His grandfather knew my grandfather. So, therefore, he should be in the front office. I'm a Flyers fan. Yeah. How do you think I feel? My whole life it's been – Who's to yeah. me? Bob Clark, not the Stanley Cup winner, Mr. Clark, the GM. Who, yeah. You know, so yeah, I, I agree with you. On that note, let's get to some fun stuff as we wrap yeah. up the show. And we're going to do your pretzels and a lap. Remember, pretzels good, lap bad. Let's get started. These pretzels are making me thirsty. 
So my first pretzel, it's going to be pretty obvious to everybody. It's Alvin Kamara, a uh, running back for the Saints. Why? What uh, you when, when you tie a record that uh, was set in 1929 and nobody else has been able to match, I think you deserve a pretzel. So he uh, had 22 carries, 155 yards, and six, count them, six touchdowns, which tied the record, uh, as I mentioned, set by Ernie Nevers, a Hall of Famer, in 1929. He also had three receptions for 17 yards, and congrats to anyone who was in a fantasy football championship that had Alvin Kamara. Uh, and the Saints won 52-33 to over Minnesota. Uh, second one uh, was Tom Brady. You know, look, 22-27, 348 yards, four touchdowns, 47-7 win over Detroit. It got the Bucks to the playoffs for the first time since 07. And I got to tell you, you look really good. The, the Detroit also did look really bad, but yeah, it's a pretty good thing to do when you're at that advanced age. Are they hitting their stride a little bit, Tampa? You said it a couple of weeks ago you thought they could make a run, and I kind of poo-pooed it. But now looking at it, they're playing well. I, I don't know. Yeah, they're, they're playing well. I, I still think they don't have enough of a run game. That, that's my issue with them. You know, in the playoffs, you need to have some semblance of a run game. And I'm just not a believer in that that offensive backfield. That That's my biggest issue with them. But they're, and, and you know, the way they are situated, the one nice thing for the Buccaneers is they are basically going to play whomever wins the NFC East. So I, I got, that's a win. There is a scenario where they, where they won't, which I yeah. think leading into this weekend is a must win for them. I think I, I there's weird scenarios because of how well, they're, they're in the playoffs, they're but there is a, they need to, they need to win or they need help with, with respect to securing the top of the wild card. Teams. Right. Yeah. Right. But, but more likely than not, I mean, I haven't gone to five thirty eight, but I, I guarantee you if there were projections regarding which team is going to finish with that top wild card, they're the overwhelming favorite to do so, more likely than not. So, uh, anyways, my third uh, pretzel goes to Zach Wilson, the quarterback from BYU, uh, was 26 of 34, 425 yards, three touchdowns, in a 49-23 to 23 win over UCF in the roofclaim.com Boca Raton Bowl, um, which was being played uh, a few miles away from my mother. Um, but hey, look, I'm always happy when someone can beat up on UCF and Zach Wilson. Uh, you know, we're, we're going to talk about this when we get to my mock drafts. Um, Zach Wilson might actually now be the number two quarterback, which is pretty remarkable. He has jumped, he has jumped. And, and I know I, I mentioned this uh, last week. I cannot stress to you how important the college football semifinal game, and we'll get into this on our football Friday, perhaps it's a Thursday show, uh, Clemson, Ohio State, that game is so important for Justin Fields. It is just, I mean, I'm talking millions of dollars. And, and I'm and this has nothing to do with them winning the championship. So my fourth pretzel goes to Ollie Gordon, the junior running back for Trinity High School in Euless, Texas. And, Mike, what I, I find amazing is, Texas is still playing high school football. Yeah, I think their championship round is either this week. Is it? It might actually. It's, it's in a few more weeks. Yeah, I think it's the beginning of the year, right? 
Yeah, it's in like three weeks because this is just the third. They haven't even gotten to like quarterfinals yet. But so Ali Gordon is a junior running back. He's 6'1", 210. He's a three-star recruit, ranked the number 94 junior in the entire state of Texas by uh, 24-7 sports. Um, He had 49 carries for 455 yards and six touchdowns in a 49-45 win over the nationally ranked Number 12, Allen, Texas, which if for those that don't know, Allen is famous because that is the school with the mega stadium. Uh, so I was gonna say, did they play it in, in Allen in the new stadium that was cracking? No, they actually played in the Arlington. They played in the Texas Rangers new stadium. Oh, the one. The, oh, then really? Or, or no, no, maybe they played in the old one. Globe, yeah, which one is Globe Life Park? Um, good question. I'd have to look it up because they okay. both have the same name. Oh, okay. I, I don't know. Okay, I don't know well, Park. I don't because they, they were played using in one the old, of them. They were using the old one, which isn't okay. that old, as yeah. for football and multiple purpose stuff. And it's actually a cool look. I, I would think then that's probably where they played. Oh. But so this was an upset, I, as I mentioned. I mean, Allen was ranked nationally there, number 12, 49 45. But I mean, 455 yards, six touchdowns. I got to give credit to the kid. I, I was watching the highlights. Very impressive. So, come on, Ali. You can't keep up with uh, Ali there. Yeah. I mean, but, well, 49 carries. See, that's a full full day's work. So, that is a full day's work. I, what, yeah, were they so, a auction team or were they just feeding them the rock? Just feeding them the rock. Right. So, uh, you know, congrats to Trinity High School and congrats to Ali Gordon. Um, For all that is good. Yes. Also a bad, so someone's running. Terrible. Take a lap. God awful. Get going. So we mentioned it earlier in the podcast. My lap is going to the Las Vegas Raiders defense. Uh, you had Miami took the ball at the 25 yard line. They had 16 seconds. All you had to do was stop them. You let Miami drive 47 yards to kick a field goal, and you for whatever reason, decided not to cover Mac Hollins of all receivers uh, and left him alone on the sideline. And then also decided, you know what? I'm going to try to tackle Fitzpatrick by ripping his helmet off with the face mask, forgetting that that's actually an extra 15 yards. And that led to a field goal and a Miami miraculous win and the Raiders being eliminated. So for that, the defense, you're, you you got to run a lap. That game was ex-Eagles making plays. Nelson Aguilar, Mac Hollins. I wouldn't cover Mac Hollins either. What's the point? Wait, he scores a touchdown. Maybe you got to do the little, little thing. It Nelson is- Aguilar looked good. Nelson Aguilar did look good. And there was a huge on uh, Section 247 Instagram, at SEC 247. Holy, holy shit, man. That, <laughs> that thing blew up. As far as uh, there was a statistic where Nelson Aguilar in this year as a ra- as a Raider, yeah, take that three one hundred plus yard games, matching his one hundred plus yard game contribution in Philadelphia where he was for five seasons, I, he's in the right spot, right? He he's in literally on the field. He's in the right spot. That's what yeah. he is. Maybe he's better as an indoor player. 
it's possible. And a lot of people were commenting, well, there's no fans there to get in his head. Certain guys need changes of scenery. Yeah. He played really well for the Eagles in 2017. He did. And even then, he was more of a – he wasn't – I don't know. He he was never used right in Philadelphia. That's my opinion of Nelson Aguilar. For another day. But, yeah, the Raiders, really disappointing, the Raiders. Uh, they were one of my teams I was hoping to see make a run. Yeah, you, you were riding them for a little while. I was. I thought Gruden was really starting to get them going in the right direction. They had enough pieces, and it just it fell apart. Kind of like Green Bay. Aaron Rodgers' revenge tour? Yeah, baby. <laughs> in the snow, nonetheless. We're yeah. partying in the snow. I would like to thank Aaron Rodgers for showing up this week. <laughs> I I crushed people in fantasy football this week. The whole league. Although it didn't really matter. For third place. Yeah. Well, so hey. When I needed everybody the week before. Sons I finished 10th in my league, so. Sons but, of bitches. Um, yeah. let's, let's get to it. So there's some uniforms. Uh, let's get to your uniform matchups. Yes, sir. Very nice. High five. Oh, by the way, we call this hashtag uni watching. Uni watching. Okay, good to know. So my first one was, you know, I, I know I've been seeing it all season. There's something about the simple change to the Washington football team's uniform with that helmet. I just really like it. And Carolina's uniform, I typically don't like, but I am a fan of the black pants. So that together, I my co-host right now is shaking his head. And, it like, uh, go ahead. Sorry. It looked like what? No, you go. Then I'll, I'll give you my rebuttal. Well, I'm, that's my that was my, my first pick. It looked like one of those uh, road to glory games in NCAA football fourteen, where you know you only have like three uniform sets that you can wear for the for the whole thing, and yeah. one is a simple one with the number and a stripe needs a stripe on the helmet and the other is this 1995 monstrosity yeah i I mean i don't know for whatever reason i just i liked it you think the panthers would look better with a black like black black no nothing else on it you mean no you in terms of the pants yes um solid black pant with a logo on the hip or something like that uh, maybe I, I, they, it's time for them to refresh that uniform. Yeah, they need to re, they definitely need a, they definitely need a refresh because it really, yeah. it literally is 1995. Yeah. I mean, the problem is because Panthers, you think of like the claw or and the cat, that's, but I would go something more classic and, and, and steal some of the design elements from North Carolina's uniform. Right. Oh, I, yeah, I would I would agree with you. I think you can keep the the logo because they kind of refined it recently, made it a little bit sleeker. Yeah, but maybe you go with you go with that Carolina blue helmet. Oh man, we could have fun with this in the offseason. Or you know, I think you what you could also do is pay homage to the numerous teams in the Carolinas. So you have you have a lot of options. You have North Carolina, North Carolina State, Clemson. South so Carolina, the, Wake Forest, like the official black, purple, red, Carolina blue. What else? Who else? Orange. Orange. Uh, what about uh, your team, the Citadel? Where they Gold. Yeah, they're 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 no, they're light blue. I don't know what VMI. Well, that's that's oh, Virginia. VMI, VMI, that's Virginia. Yeah, Virginia Military Institute. That's a good point. Yeah. 
<laughs> All right. So, so for, for, for every good, uh, what else you got? You got, well, yeah, I got my second one. Uh, the Camellia Bowl had Marshall against Buffalo it was Marshall's aways against Buffalo in their blue. And I, it was just a nice, I mean, look, you and I, we've seen a lot of green and blue in our day. This one, it had a nice look to it. So, uh, it had a, it had a, it had a pop. There was a certain it popped. Pop. It yeah. popped. Yeah. Much so, more than most giant eagle games. Exactly. So there is always a good, or excuse me, there is always a bad that comes with the good. So let's get to that one. No, don't like that. So I, I have some repeat offenders, but first on Saturday, that Tampa Bay-Detroit game. I mean, that was just ugly. You know, I, I, I mean, the, the all gray for Detroit, I, I don't know what they're trying to do there. It, it, should, it sucks. It doesn't. It, because of the material that's used in current day, I get it. They're trying to go with that silver. It doesn't look right. It's awful. And they have such yeah. a traditional, like their traditional color, the Honolulu blue and the silver and the white. It's so classic. Why, why futz around with it? Yeah. And, you know, I, I know I've mentioned this in the past. Yes, I am glad at least Tampa Bay went back to the, what I'll call the, like the Super Bowl 38 era uniform but to me what why are you mad there yeah i appreciate that thanks but you won a super bowl you gotta get over this yeah anyways you could have said oh uh, ronde barber you that looks like ronde barber and i didn't because i wasn't trying to take a shot at the eagles i was i was referring to the buccaneers not everything has to do with the eagles so going back to the or fine how about the john gruden Buccaneer era. Okay. Okay. I'm glad you approved. Thank you. Uh, so I, I, so yes, those uniforms are better than the monstrosities that Tampa has worn in the past few years. However, to me, you have the creamsicles sitting somewhere in, in you know, in a warehouse, you got to break those. That's what you got to go back to. And so to me, they're still ugly. So that's why, you know, that, that helped uh, catapult us to number one. The other one is just two teams. Before you go on to the next one, I'm yeah. actually going to share on our Instagram a little bit later. There is a fan mock-up of uh, a of a white creamsicle helmet with the current logo done in an orange and a creamsicle fashion. It's so good. Like yeah. it's, it's a modern take on a classic that would be so much better than what they're doing now. And it's Florida. If you've been to the Tampa area, it's always sunny. It's nice. Stadium's in a weird spot. It's kind of on Dale Mabry Highway. It's odd. But, like, it needs a little bit of Florida pop, kind of like the Miami Heat. Like, the Miami Heat should use their Miami Vice uniforms all the time because they're awesome. What's like George Costanza? Or, um, yeah, you know, you need your cabana clothes. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but... Yeah, so my second one is just two teams who I think are in desperate need of upgrades, uh, retools with respect to the uniform, and that's Cincinnati and Houston. It's just, to me, it's two of these like modern, generic uniforms that don't do it for me. I mean, Cincinnati, they got the helmet. Maybe it's even time to redo the helmet. I don't know. It, it, I, think I'll, I think everything should be on the table. Um Houston, this actually wasn't the worst of their different uniforms, but it's still just they need to rethink it. I, I'm not a fan. They got to redo the whole thing. 
I, I agree with you there as well. And that was another one I saw a fan had created a mock-up for, for the Texans with the light blue and red mm. of the Oilers. Yeah. And I think it's time to where I know why they didn't do it originally, but maybe it is time to go back, not to the Oilers because they can't, but to the color scheme. Why can't they go back to the Oilers? So this was before, like everyone's like, oh, you know, the, the Browns, when when the Ravens left, when the Ravens left uh, Cleveland to go to yeah. Baltimore, they left the lineage. They yeah. said, remember, they were going as a, as a, um, the Titans kept the lineage. Titans kept the lineage. So the actual Houston Oilers are in Tennessee. Remember, they were the Tennessee Oilers for a couple seasons. Well, okay, but so once you've then Tennessee opted to change to the Titans. Once you have let go of a name, why can't another? Why can't Houston become these Oilers having nothing to and you and even use the uniform? Having nothing to do because they are that records because they're one in the same, especially a team like the Oilers. Like you have that history going back to the AFL, they are one in the same, so they deserve that legacy and that recognition. Call them the Houston Riggers. What were the Houston Roughnecks in the in the XFL? Yeah, same idea. Well, it's like the hot. It's like well, a in, in the CFL, there were two Rough Riders, so. Things can, this can this can work. I look. I agree with you, but there's all that you, you know. If, when you're talking Houston Texans, and if they were to become the Oilers, they want Earl Campbell, they want House of Pain, and all that stuff. It's not theirs anymore. It went to Tennessee. Well, I, I and I guess an interesting question, and this is something I don't know the answer to. So Tennessee, yes, they are the Titans, but do they still own a copyright or trademark to the Oilers? I, I they believe- obviously don't own a complete. Because there are the Edmonton Oilers. Well, I always think there was a there was way workarounds there. Yeah, and obviously, but maybe within the NFL, I don't know. Yeah. I'm sure there are also bylaws that we're not aware of. But on that note, yeah, let's real quick. Let's get to the power rankings. Let's start. Let's reverse it, and we're going to start at the bottom before we go to the top. Congratulations to the New York Jets. You are out. Of, you are perpetually for the rest of the season. One more week. Out of the gutter. Congratulations. Yeah. Uh, although I think you probably have like COVID to thank for that too. Because with Cleveland and the receivers, but nevertheless. So I'm going to go from 32 to 28. 32, Jacksonville Jaguars. Congratulations. What a, Talk about a great year to be really bad. 31, the New York Jets. 30, Houston Texans. 29, the Detroit Lions. And 28, the Denver Broncos. You talked about it real quick, and we should have talked about this maybe at the top of the show, but it was a disgrace that the National Football League didn't step in and move to a Joe Webb special, the Cleveland Jet game. But they didn't do it for Denver. That's a good point. I forgot about that. But that was a cool story. This wasn't a playoff. This was a playoff. You know, you got a team going for their playoff life. I don't know. Look, um, I I go back to uh, what John Mara said in the offseason. This season, they were just going to be inequities. That's what it comes down to. Fair enough. Let's get to your top five. All right, I'm going to go five to one. Uh, Five Baltimore Ravens, four New Orleans Saints, three Buffalo Bills, two Green Bay Packers, one the Kansas City Chiefs. 
It's going to be a fun playoff, I think, this year. I feel like the AFC playoffs are going to be fun while the NFC play. Like I was looking at the potential matchups for the NFC wildcard weekend. And I was like, shitty, shitty, shitty. It'll get good once, once you, whereas in the AFC, it's like, it really is. Is there a lot of dome teams in the NFC right now? Slot it. I feel like there's more indoor football. Uh, well, no, the Rams are going to be on the road. The Seahawks, no, the Seahawks are outdoors. Saints, just the Saints. Maybe it's just the Saints. I, I don't know. I wish they would have an outdoor stadium there. That's besides the point. Well, and the Cardinals, maybe. But yeah. again, the Cardinals are going to be on the road. Right. On that note, we're going to wrap up this show. We'll be back at some point this week, I think. Maybe Thursday for for a uh, a special New Year's Eve edition of Section 247's The Goal Line Stand, all football all the time. You can find us everywhere on social media at GL Stand Show. Be safe. We will catch you later on this week. Yeah, yeah, yeah.